You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Jay Young, Bob Huesler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome back to Open Court with Jay Young, your Fairfield University basketball podcast starring the head coach of the Stags, I'm Bob Usler, joined by Coach Young and by my broadcast partner, the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis. And we are all again brought together at a socially safe distance through the magic of Zoom. And I would be remiss, Coach, if I didn't paint the word picture for our listeners on this podcast. You've got to tell everybody where your home office is right now as you do this Zoom podcast with us. Well, uh, I do have an office in, in the basement of my house, but I also have uh, two dogs that both, uh, two pretty good sized dogs that anytime a UPS drives up or, and, you know, all hell basically breaks loose. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I figured last time, rather than the listeners hearing these dogs go crazy, if someone came up, I would just go out to the uh, car, sit in the car and uh, do it from there. So I'm back in, in my driveway, sitting in my car. And uh, hopefully uh, they won't make – you could probably even hear them from out here. I don't even know if this is <laughs> – I, I know Joe can relate to that, right, Joe? Well, I have two 85-pound uh, dogs, yes, sir. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, dogs were the hit of the NFL. One dog in particular was the hit of the NFL draft, uh, Bill Belichick's dog there, doing a great job uh, selecting the Patriots. So uh, maybe at some point we can incorporate the dogs into the podcast. And – this is actually part two. Um, hopefully, many of you were able to join us for part one last week when we talked about a lot of the things uh, connected to Jay's first full year as Fairfield head coach. But there are a lot of things we didn't get to, so that sets up part two. And just to quickly give you a rundown of what we'll get into, we're going to talk about returning personnel, about the three new stags waiting in the wings right now. How many more might be in the pipeline? Want to ask uh, Jay about the schedule? Uh, about the uh, very, very, very early Mac outlook, and uh, we'll get into more. But uh, uh, sort of a scene-setter question, Coach. There's some talk now generally in society about shutdown fatigue setting in. Uh, How about your team, your athletes? How difficult is it to keep them engaged when you can't physically be together with them? Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, I think we've been doing a pretty good job of, of doing some things. Uh, as I mentioned last week, we have these weekly team meetings in addition to like these subgroups that we do every third day with meeting with the guys. And then they've done a great job, Bob, of uh, leading some conditioning stuff on their own. NCAA rules prohibit us from being on a, a Zoom call like this or a strength coach kind of doing it. So we've empowered them to, you know, three times a week, uh, each guy on the team leads a workout. And it's, you know, body weight stuff. They're in their garage or in their living room. They're in their, their bedroom doing some stuff. And uh, so I, I, I think we've, we've tried to stay, stay creative as, as much as possible. But at some point, I think we're all at the point where, you know, you can only do so many push-ups, sit-ups, team meetings and stuff. And we're all anxious to kind of get back to work here. Yeah, I wish we uh, knew when that actually going to happen, but obviously uh, we don't, so we just move on as, as well as we can. And uh, getting to the issue of uh, or the topic of your players and uh, the returning players and talking about uh, what you have uh, 
coming back for Fairfield next year. Um, want to do something that we did in the very first podcast we did with you, which was to get a capsule take on on the players. And in this case, I want to ask you about um, what you're asking returning players to work on and develop heading into next season and, and then your thoughts on what they gave you this season. And again, a lightning round, just real quick rundown as we we'll go down the roster by class. And so we'll start it off with the uh, soon-to-be sophomores. And uh, so first on the list is Alan Jean Rose, who um, was a, a late commit to Fairfield. You you got him uh, late in the process and uh, not much playing early, but he, he came on strong for you uh, as the season progress coach what are you what are you asking from him now as you get ready for year two with him yeah uh alan was a guy we kind of gave a shot to uh late he i think the transition from high school to college took him maybe longer than any guy on our team and when he started to figure out figure it out um he did a nice job for us he's got to work on his guard skills has to work on being a better perimeter shooter um i think the line moving back from high school to uh, the college line affected him, and he's got to get stronger. I, th- I think he could be elite defender, um, so I want him to be able to cover multiple positions. But he's got to be obviously a much. He's got to expand his his range on his jump shot, be a three point threat, and really just continue to work on all his guard skills. Okay, uh, Chris Mido, who um, obviously broke out as the season progressed, we know. Now, one of the things that's obvious, you want him to physically get stronger. So beyond that, what are you asking and, and looking for out of Chris? Yeah, same thing, just to expand his game a little more, be, be uh, a little more than a, a, a dunker um, and, and, you know, have a post-up move, a go-to move that he feels comfortable with, a counter. And just his 15 to 17-foot game, just kind of continue to work on that uh, and be more of an offensive threat. Uh, that, he, that we thought he was capable. He really deferred a lot um, to other guys, and we thought he was a little more capable last year than he showed. I think some of that comes with confidence in a year older. And, you know, I think you hit the – Chris's the major thing with him is he's, he's, you know, 25 to 30 pounds away from being a special player in this league. Okay. Um, you had three freshman walk-ons, John Kelly, Jack Mullally, and uh, Mark Henry. Are uh, they all back? And there is a, are there any scholarships in the mix for any of those guys? So John Kelly's going to move to a scholarship player. That was something that, um, you know, I, I agreed to before um, last year, and uh, he certainly deserves it. So John's done a good job of, of, of really working on his body, becoming uh, quicker. His, his footwork still needs to develop, but he's got a skill that we need desperately, and he shoots the basketball. And, um, you know, he's got to – we've got to kind of figure out what position he's going to play, uh, and that really is who he can cover. So, um, you know, like John, great worker. And, uh, you know, really, like I say, has a skill that, that we desperately need. Uh, Jack is awesome. Jack is – I always say uh, we, we could never – Jack used to drive me crazy in practice. We could never stop him. He's got a good, quick step, finds a way to score, uh, tough as nails. Um, I wish he was 6'5", uh, <laughs> but, but he comes to practice every day. was was a big part of uh, – you know, the, the scout team and doing all the things, but a great kid, great student. So I uh, feel really happy that he's back. And the same with Mark. Mark is, uh, you know, those guys are just get enough credit, how hard they come, how, how hard they play, what they do in practice every day. They have, they have to come early 
to learn all the other team's plays. And they really have kind of a practice before the practice. And it's amazing how well they, they run the other team's stuff and how much pride they take in doing that. So uh, all three of those guys will be back. I'm thrilled to have them back, and they're a huge part of our program. Okay, uh, you at this point have uh, only one junior, at least uh, by my uh, accounting, coming in uh, next year. That's uh, Calvin Whipple. Why don't we get a few words about him? Yeah, you know, Cal, we talked to him a lot about, you know, again, his game offensively uh, to be more of a catch-and-shoot guy. And even with being a catch-and-shoot guy, he has to shoot the ball more consistently. Uh, he knows that. We talk about that a lot. But uh, just kind of adding to his offensive repertoire where if someone does take him off the three-point line, that he's, uh, you know, capable of going one, two dribbles, pulling up, uh, or getting right to the rim. But love his toughness. Just, you know, continue to work as his, his strength is going to be shooting. He just has to do it more consistently. And, again, work on something where he is moved off the line that he can be effective with. Okay, a couple of seniors. Um, you know, Jesus Cruz, who had to adapt to a new role as the season progressed. Uh, talk about his role going into uh, – it's hard to believe we're talking about Jesus uh, going into his senior year at time. Yeah. The old saying flies. But uh, what are you asking out of Jesus? Yeah, uh, you know, similar to last year, um, I, I think as, as again, when we met with Jesus at the end of the year via Zoom, it was all about, you know, the three-point shot, the expansion of that to set up what he can do around the basket, uh, being able to guard multiple positions. But, um, you know, he's got to expand his game because, you know, when he gets around the basket, teams were just so locked into him last year. So really continue to work on the three. Um, be much more consistent shooting it. And then, you know, as a defender, um, just working on some details with that. I, I think he's, you know, he, I like the fact he takes charges, um, but he's got to work on some of his footwork stuff and, and his off-the-ball defense. But uh, kind of more of the same, but really hope that he can be a little more more versatile uh, on the offensive end. I'm going to bring Joe in for a second. Uh Joe, because I know you're a keen observer of uh, shooting styles and you work, you know, with players individually uh, now in clinics and one-on-one uh, -on -one stuff and, and help them with shooting techniques. When you look at Asus, Joe, what do you think in terms of what Coach just said, his ability to maybe improve as a three-point shooter and a shooter in general? Well, you know, it's hard for me to say right now because I haven't really, you know, worked with him per se, but I'm sure, I'm sure Jay would be able to tell you, um, you know, some of his faults. Um, I think the big thing in general, and, and I say it because maybe it applies to him, you may you have to make sure you have good balance when you shoot, especially when you're shooting from far out, Bob, okay? So when I think of Jesus, and I could be wrong because um, um, you kind of put me on the spot here, but I think his feet are very close together, and therefore – when he's taking a 15-footer, now you're going to ask him to move out to 20, whatever it is now, 22 feet. I don't even know what the new rule is, the new distance is. Um, he doesn't have as much balance that he needs. So wide feet means balance. Balance means strength. So, again, if, if, if I were to work with him, um, I'd start out by making sure his 15-footer his was correct and then explain to him that if he shot the same way from 20 feet, 22 feet using more legs, he'd be fine. He seems that good backspin. He's a good free throw shooter, right? I mean, he's got, uh, he's got good numbers from the free throw line. 
Um, so I don't know exactly what it is, um, but I got to believe it has to do with his balance and also, you know, probably a little bit of lack of confidence because um, he's so good at playing around the basket and, and making moves um, around the basket, foul line and in, that he probably doesn't work as hard as he should from the perimeter. What do you think, Coach? Yeah, I think Joe brings up some good points. Um, I think, again, the line moving back for some of these guys who were uh, – I think if you shot the year before, shot it around anywhere from, you know, 30 to 33 with the line moving back, you quickly became a 29 to 27% shooter with some of the guys. It was a, a considerable jump in distance. It wasn't a couple inches. Um, so I think that inconsistent guys from the previous mark just – really have to work on uh, some of the stuff that Joe talked about his balance got a little longer of a release than mo most guys. Um, and it's really just a matter of getting in the gym and getting reps at that distance. Um, but it is for, for guys who don't shoot it with great range, the jump back um, did make a difference. And, and, and uh, you can see that all over the country. The numbers kind of prove that out. No doubt. Um, I don't think there's any question that the player who took the biggest step forward from sophomore to junior year was Taj Benning and, uh, and Joe and I talked um, off the air uh, often about how valuable he was this year for you coach. Uh, now as he heads into his senior year, uh, what more is there left for him in terms of ceiling? What more can he do? You've already asked so much of him and he's responded. Where do you go from here with Taj? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Bob. I couldn't take him off the floor last year. Um, he just did, did, did so many things. And I, I just – we again, our message to him was, you know, the versatility of your game. How many guys can you cover? How many different positions can you cover? Uh, what can you do offensively now? If you move off the ball and play the two or the three, can you make those adjustments to uh, knowing the plays at the two and the three is, and, and the one? and be kind of like a utility infielder for us next year. Uh, part of it offensively, you know, he really worked on, on his three-point shooting as a catch-and-shoot guy, but his percentages when he was on the move or had to do something off the bounce dropped dramatically, so he's got to continue to work on that. But, I, I, you know, my message to one is like each defensive MVP of the league or, or, or you know, on the all-defensive team last year because you can cover multiple guys. I thought that was a great goal for him to start off with. And um, I just think from, for him, everything good starts on that end of the floor when he gets – he's out in passing lanes, he's getting some deflections, and we can get up and down. So, um, you know, if I had to pick an MVP from last year, it would certainly be Taj. It just, I just thought, you know, like I said, we could not take him off the floor. Um, and even when he was struggling offensively for us at times, he was just so good on the, on the other end that, uh, that, and he's my type of guy. He's a tough guy, plays every possession in practice and, and really competes. So thrilled to death to have, I wish I had him for four more years, but yeah, they won't let me do that. You know? <laughs> well, you do get uh, Vincent easy uh, for one more year. That was news last week. Uh, but now that it is official that you're going to have Vince around as another graduate uh, student year, what more can you get out of Vince? He's been a stag for one year. Uh, what can he do in his final final year with Fairfield? Yeah, I, you know, I think getting to the, you know, his free throw rate was great last year. Uh, one of the better free throw rates in the league. And just he's got to be a more consistent free throw shooter. We wasted points on the, on the line by him being a poor free throw shooter. Um, so that's one aspect of it. The other thing is just kind of uh, – 
you know, working, cutting, maybe cutting down on some of his turnovers that he didn't, didn't need to have, approving his assisted turnover ratio, and expanding his game where he can make elbow jumpers, which he can make, um, and just doing it more consistently. Um, so those, basically, those were the three things that we adjust that we uh, spoke about with Vince when when we did his kind of postseason review. Okay, we uh, we talked last week at length in last week's podcast about Caleb and and Chef. So we'll move on beyond those two and get into your incoming guys. Um, again, a lightning round form on uh, the two true freshmen, Jalen Leach and Jason Gidapai, and also I called him Doug last week, which reveals my age. I actually remember hmm. broadcasting the Fairfield Navy games when Doug, Jake's uncle, was the point guard for those David Robinson Navy teams. And right. subliminally, Doug was in my head. It's Jake Wojcik who's your transfer out of Richmond, so he has to sit a year. But yeah, Jake, Jason, and Jalen, new Fairfield class. What can you tell us about them? Well, I'll start with Jake first. He's going to be a transfer from Richmond, so unless there's a rule change, he's probably going to have to sit out a year. But um, you know, I, I was good friends with his grandfather, Joe Boylan, the longtime athletic director at Loyola and was our radio guy at Rutgers. So kind of knew Jake before he even started playing because his grandfather was giving me updates constantly on his high school career and uh, what he was doing at Richmond his first year and just watched some film on him, always kind of followed him. I knew about the DNA that he came from with his dad being a head coach at San Jose State, his dad being a player at Loyola, obviously his uncle, his grandfather, and a great kid. Um, everything that stereotypical coach's son, he cerebral, he knows how to play, uh, got a good body, tough kid, and can really, really shoot it, um, which we continue to address our needs. So you're going to have to wait, looks like a, a year to see him, but um, couldn't be more thrilled to have him as part of our program. Um, just want to clarify something because I said, you know, Jake will have to sit a year. And we talked about the transfer rule last week a couple of days ago, maybe it was over the weekend, Joe, correct me if I'm wrong. The NCAA tabled this issue right. of potential immediate eligibility for transfers. And if I read the story correctly, they're going to table it till, till January. Was that right, Joe? Can you help me out with this? When, when my question is, is there a possibility coach and Joe, maybe you can help out too. That Jay could be eligible immediately for Fairfield this upcoming season. Well, I, I think they're making that decision next week, right, Jay? They're making it. It's been tabled to June. Um, oh, sure. Okay. June. Yeah. But it, the, the preliminary indications were, I think that what happened out of this call last week is that they just had to find out more information on things like graduation rate, APR um, before they could make a decision on it. So the, the, the response and the vibe that I'm getting from my coaching colleagues and from Paul Slickman uh, is that it seems like it seems like it's uh, going to be tabled and it would not be in effect for this year. That's not to say it couldn't happen because it's still on the table, but it seems like everyone's telling me that mm -hmm. um, that this is probably a year away. Okay. Uh, well, in that case, then let's get your capsule previews of the two guys who are. Eligible as true freshmen, Jalen right. Leach and Jason Utapai. 
Yeah, so we'll start with Jalen. Jalen um, played at Tilton Academy, very good program, prep school program in New Hampshire. Very versatile guard. Uh, needs to get stronger um, like most freshmen, but um, can really score the ball on three levels. And uh, if you watched his play last year, you know that that was uh, an area that we were trying to address was our ability to score the ball. And Jalen's, you know, great kid, uh, got good size, and like I said, shoots it. Uh, can play the backup point, can play the two, could play the three. He's big enough to do that. And uh, I think the fans are going to be just kind of excited about his offensive capabilities and what he's going to bring to our program. Jay, you, I watch video on him, and, and um, whatever it means, I, I certainly agree with what you said. He, he's certainly a guard, you know, uh, 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 that can do a lot of things. Um the one thing, if I was going to be hypercritical, he didn't seem to play like a grinder. He's not a grinder. Maybe like, uh, you know, Bob and I could speak about Robinson Cano. You know, he was a, a player that things came easy for him. Is he a guy defensively that you're going to be on every day? And I could be 1,000% wrong. It's just what I saw in the brief video. No, I, th I think there's, you know, his personality uh, and the way he plays, there's a certain smoothness to his game where it does right. come kind of easy for him. Um, and, you know, I, I think when I first saw him play, uh, Joe, some of those things that, that you're saying, uh, you know, I, I saw as well. And as I watched him more, he competes. Uh, I, I do like the way he competes. I, I was at a game and he was playing with a, coming off a broken hand, uh, his first game back. And what sold me on him, and not that I wasn't sold already, is he grabbed like 14, 15 rebounds in the game from the guard spot. He was like a, he went after the ball. So, I, I do see what you're saying because I thought some of the same thing, but I think it's more that the game just kind of comes easy to him mm -hmm. and he's got that demeanor on the, on the, uh, on the floor as well. But, um, you know, I'm sure the one thing that's consistent is I get after all of them defensively. So I'm sure yeah. he'll fall yeah. into that category <laughs> too. Uh, but, but I, I really love his length and his ability to cover and he's, he's more athletic than you give him credit for too. Yeah. I, I like I said, his offensive ability is what he can do. Yeah. I, I haven't, and again, I could be off, way off. Uh, I haven't seen a player that complete since we had Derek Needham here a few years ago. Yeah, he's um, he's a really, really good – and I don't want to undersell him defensively, but he's a really good offensive player. And when you can kind of dribble, pass, and shoot – and I, exactly. I, I, like, I like the fact, too, uh, Joe, that I think he can – be a like if Caleb's in foul trouble or or you know he can come in and he's got a very good feel how to play to make the extra pass um right. I saw him in a high level game versus Brewster and I was really I came away impressed with the way he passed the ball too who did you and, beat uh, out for fun. him sorry Bob who who'd you beat out for him no he's a good student so a lot of the Ivies were involved um as That's well, good. and then, you know, Iona had offered him, um, I think, before Coach Patino got there. Uh, a lot of mid-majors. We were fortunate that we got in him, uh, got in pretty early in September, so he had been to campus a couple times. And uh, when this whole thing broke, I, I actually think the fact that he couldn't go to other campuses and, and see stuff and we had a good relationship with it really helped us. Which, which sets it up nicely for uh, you to talk about Jason, who made a big leap right didn't he from junior year in high school through his senior year and you got in on him he not have been as easy to get for you you know the world in relative terms here if you hadn't been involved he played very well in the senior year didn't he he had a great senior year and you love to see that when uh especially when a kid signs with you early uh 
it, a couple things can happen. He can go on cruise control or he can do what Jason did and really went out and had an uh, incredible uh, senior year. He was, uh, you know, all, con- all county kid in Baltimore, which if you guys are – I know you are familiar with the level of basketball uh, down there. For He was a first-team all-county kid and really had a great year. Uh, he rebounds it. He's expanded his perimeter game. He's bouncy off of two feet. Um, I, I think, you know, I, it's, it's funny. I saw him when I first got the job here last year, and, you know, my, my head was kind of spinning, and I had a list of a 1,000 names. And then when I hired um, Chris, Chris saw him and bought his name back. And I said, no, I really like that kid. I saw him down in Dallas, and he did some stuff. And then we went back and looked and just kind of started recruiting him. So, um, Chris Casey did a great job. My whole staff did a great job with all these guys. They really did. Um, so, and, and, you know, I'll say that I've said this before, Jalen, Jason, uh, you know, Jake, all those kids uh, that we're adding, they're, they're really just Fairfield type of kids, great students, uh, really good people. And I think the whole community is going to love them uh, as well. Well, the, the one thing I think that obviously you, you should not leave out is that Jason played for a Bob Hurley type coach. Right. Pat Clatchy, I, I believe like over 700 wins. Yeah. He's been there like 30 years. My uh, former assistant and good friend, Steve Baker, his son plays there. And also uh, his wife worked there. She just got a new job. But uh, he tells me that uh, Fairfield got a steal with him. Yeah, Pat is probably not as well known. But Dan, if you mention his name in the Baltimore area, as you know, Joe, he, he's a tremendous, tremendous high school coach with incredible success. And I think he sent seven or eight guys to the NBA. And he, uh, you know, obviously we were dealing with him a lot with, with uh, Jason's recruiting and just raves about the year that he had and really just about the person that, uh, that Jason is too. How, how important it is for you to get a player from a winning coach, a winning program? I think it's huge. Uh, guys who know how to win, and uh, you know, I I I think uh, Coach Clatchy runs his high school program a lot like a college program already. So the transition from high school to college isn't as great as it would be in some other cases. So uh, I, I think it's huge. Anytime you can bring in a young man who's used to a culture of winning, uh, it can only help you once he gets here. All right, Coach, uh, some uh, quick topics to uh, run down here, uh, starting with uh, actually more of a, a question and, and a subject we haven't really touched on at any point during our, our podcasts. And we talk about you being a first-year head coach at Fairfield, but you are also a first-year head coach in the MAC. And your frame of reference, many years in America East, a conference that, of course, has you know, conferences develop personalities, and then, of course, many years in the Big Ten, and we, we know that's a whole different kind of uh, conference personality. The MAC, your impressions of the MAC, um, anything take you um, by surprise, things that you didn't realize uh, about the conference competitiveness-wise or, or any, any elements involved in the conference itself and your reaction to it? I, I thought just comparing it kind of to America East, where I was for 11 years, about the, the top of the conference – was uh, comparable to Vermont when we would go to Stony Brook, Albany. Uh, but the middle and the lower part of the conference was much stronger in the MAC. Uh, those were my impressions. That the top is 
both the same, but the middle and the, and the bottom of it was much stronger, which means on every, every single night, you know, it, it's, uh, you can't go on the road and play poorly. If you're the first place team and you're on the road against the last place team, you can certainly get beat. I didn't know mm-hmm. if that was always the case in America East that you, the better teams really have to go over, um, and lay over on the road against some of the bad teams in, in America East. Uh, I thought, um, it was really good coaching. The different styles of play uh, was something that I thought was a little uh, unusual, uh, something I wasn't used to. A lot of teams play zone. A lot of teams, pre- uh, Monmouth would press. So very different styles. In you know, the Big Ten, everybody plays man-to-man. It's, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, very few teams mm-hmm. play zone. You know what you're getting. Uh, you have to pre- prepare against very little – uh, zone very little full court pressure in the Big Ten, and it was really like, like that way in America East. Not many zone teams, so uh, so the difference in defenses was something that caught me a little bit by surprise. But um, it's a really good conference, Bob, from top to bottom. Really is, and the guard play in the conference really impressed me. How good uh, the guards are in the MAC. Uh, they can well as you can see some of them on the transfer portal mm-hmm. uh, the attention that these guys are getting and they're 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 terrific guards your schedule for next year uh what can you tell us about it any games that are locked in and anything you're trying to make happen uh the only thing i can really talk about is our return games which you kind of know about anyway so we're going to go on the road to william and mary um we're going to have uh, Wagner at home. We're going to have Loyola at home. We're going to have Holy Cross at home. We're going to go on the road to UMass. We will not be in an NTE. I can tell you that we just couldn't get one to uh, fit in to our schedule for next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're probably going to play 29 regular season games. And um, you know, uh, honestly, uh, you didn't, we didn't kind of know this as we were doing it, but in this climate, we're all. Uh, we're, we're athletics are really looking at numbers. Uh, might not be a bad year to do that, fiscal numbers. So yeah. uh, we'll play 29 games, and we're looking still to fill um, three kind of high major opponents. Um, we will re- return to BC. We're going back to BC. Okay. Um, we kind of changed the contract on that, so we are going to go back to BC. We haven't gotten a date yet uh, and play. Still looking to find uh, two high major teams that we're going to play uh a lot of you know the landscape has changed over here a couple months there are not as many uh power five teams their money's been cut for buy games mm-hmm. um so it's it's a little more challenging than it has been in the past your coaches uh chris casey brian dewer patrick sellers staff intact everybody back and i know joe has a follow-up when you answer that question I think so. I, I haven't checked Twitter today, so unless you guys are telling me something, I don't know. That's usually where I learn about stuff. But uh, no, I, I uh, they're they're all planning on, on being back, and uh, thankfully, because I haven't. I've said this many times, but uh, have a have a great staff. You guys have seen him work mm-hmm. how how hard they work, and uh, and uh, can't wait to get back in the gym with those guys for sure. Yeah, the only the only question I have, Jay, is how do you um, divvy up the responsibilities in terms of scouting and recruiting amongst your assistants? So for scouting, we we usually uh, Joe do it. You know, uh, it rotates. So um, Chris will have a game, Pat will have a game, Brian will have a game, 
and uh in the non-conference it, it it will rotate like that conference sometimes it becomes because of conference schedule uh you know sometimes they'll have two games back to back or sometimes it won't be perfect but we try and get as much separation in between games so those guys can take a some time to look at film uh and then i watch a lot of film too i'm always constantly watching film so uh that's how we do it with that and on, honestly uh joe with recruiting we all kind of have our areas that we're comfortable in and a lot of them overlap so it's more about our connections with an aau coach or our connections with a high school coach than it is for an area so in it, for instance if if um, you know, Pat and Brian were both recruiting in New Jersey, but one of them had a really close connection with uh, the high school coach. Uh, then he would be the lead on, usually on the kid. But we, I try, and we're, I'm a big believer in staffs should recruit players. So, for instance, uh, even though Chris was the lead on Jason, we all got involved with his recruiting. Uh, Pat would go down to see him, Brian. We'd all call him on the phone. So uh, there's always a lead guy on someone for sure, but uh, – I try and get the staffs as much as we can involved with, with every single kid because for a couple of reasons, one, I want them to feel comfortable with everybody, but I never want a situation where if a coach did leave and have another opportunity that we would just be out with that kid because he was the guy who was the primary recruiter. I, I got two questions. So I, hopefully the first one you'll answer quick. The second one's not a question. It's just a statement. Who are your go-to guys in terms of hosts? Give me, give me your, your, your first cool. team. <laughs> you you got a you got a great player, and I know a lot depends on. Yeah, like, uh, Leach was a Burton Catholic kid, right? Right. So I'm sure you hooked him up with uh, Taj. But he did. He he just he never officially visited. So on his unofficial visit, Taj spent some time with him. Uh, he was supposed to officially visit. Taj would have been his host, but it got canceled because of the pandemic. Right. But Taj is a good go go to guy. Um, Caleb's good. You know, they got to have a little personality. They got to, you know, uh, want them to show them a good time, but not too good of a time. So that's that's always a concern. But uh, but Taj, Caleb have been doing it. Uh, even though Caleb sat out, he was he was good because, let me see, Jesus would jump in there a little bit. The freshmen aren't ready for that. They don't know what no, they're no, doing no. and where they're going. So they're usually not very good. So I would say Taj, Caleb, Jesus, that, that, that was our go-to group. Do you, I actually thought of another question. Do you have like a, a set format? I'm thinking other than your coaches, like I'm thinking administrations, who, who will sit down with the recruit? Who do you get involved other than your staff and team when a kid visits officially or unofficially? Yeah. So um, he, he meets with usually with Corey Eunice over and our director of enrollment from admissions who does a great job. And uh, he'll meet with Paul if Paul's available uh, we've got an incredible president. Uh, Mark Nemec has, has uh, if he's free and he's busy, he's uh, told us that we could use him um, as a resource, and he's done that. He's, he does a great job. He's a sports fan. Um, if it's a minority student, we try and get him tied in with some of the minority groups, whether it's our dean of students, Will Johnson, um, on Good. campus. But uh, we, we, it, it's a fine balance. You want him to have a great time, and you don't want to overwhelm him with meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's always kind of a fine balance for that, right. but we really want to get the people that, that are going to touch him on campus and, and, uh, and we got some really great people here. So I love, I love when recruits come and they get to spend time with, with the faculty, staff and administration. Well, I'm still looking for a tour of the library cause I have not <laughs> seen it ever in my life. I, I got a statement, a boring statement, but you know, Brian Dewar, one of your assistants, 
you know this, Bob, you know this. His grandfather, um, Jim Dewar, recruited me. My final three schools were Fairfield, Holy Cross, and Rutgers. Jim Dewar recruited me for Holy Cross. And Jake Wojcik's grandfather, who you mentioned, Joe Boylan, was an assistant at Rutgers. Um, he and uh, Coach McFadden and, of course, Coach Young recruited me to go to Rutgers. So I'll have a lot to talk to um, Jake Wojcik about. But that's a little boring tidbit for today. Maybe you well, can show Brian, the library, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Where is Brian's it? Grand, Brian's <laughs> grandfather, God rest his soul, it was as good a man as uh, yep. as you can find. And I can tell you that Joe Boylan is one of the nicest human beings I've ever been yep. around. So I'm looking forward to spending some time with him. Yep, absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> a couple of uh, things just to wrap it up here, Coach. Uh, first of all, a lot of fans are wondering about the um well the locale for your games next year because of what's going on are are the games set in stone for webster bank arena for this upcoming season i guess that's another that's a backdoor way of saying is there a possibility that we still could see a game played in alumni hall which because of the circumstances still stands as we're speaking to you today sure i i can positively tell you i do not know <laughs> um, <laughs> Whoa. So, so we've we've had these discussions, uh, obviously, and, and Paul Slickman is, has done a great job of keeping me informed. Obviously, there's no construction projects going on on any campus or in the state right now that haven't started. So our concern, obviously, is when this, if we to uh, the go-ahead to start with the construction of the new convocation center, when will that be? And will, from a construction standpoint, will the materials be available to be shipped out in a timely fashion? Yeah. So these are all things that are done above my head, obviously, or my pay grade. And it's just a matter, really, guys, of the timing of when this uh, can be can get going. And our thinking on the whole matter is what's the quickest we can get in the building and what's the least amount of time we would have to be over at Webster Bank Arena. So there's been discussions from a bunch of different scenarios. Um, right now we're scheduled to play in Webster Bank Arena for next year. That's not to say that they, that might change. Um, is, it in a, is it in a contract that they'll, they'll turn the heat on? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, it is not. It is I not. didn't say that. That wasn't yeah. me. Uh, <laughs> Shia well, yeah, well, that sets up the final question, Coach, and I uh, don't want to put you on the spot, but it's not like this is not a question everybody is dealing with these days. It's the elephant in the room. How optimistic are you that a season can actually be played? Because as we all know, there's the, the very real prospect that sports may take a hiatus through uh, the great part of this calendar year so your own opinion on that i'm optimistic i i am um that doesn't mean to say that i i don't think that I, I agree with you there is a scenario that i do think could happen uh where we're either a shortened season or delayed or or canceled completely all all three of those all all uh, of those scenarios could happen but i am optimistic um I'm kind of reading stuff every day. You guys probably saw that Purdue has said that they are going to open up in uh, September. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's really going to be a matter of, of where we're at, I think, in around June 1st. 
and where we, if, if we feel that this thing is moving in the other direction and it's going to be safe, I know, you know, our leadership is going to, the, their foremost priority as it should be is going to be the safety of, of staff and students for sure. Um, but I'm, op- I, I am optimistic. I don't know what you guys think, but, but I'm starting to think that we're going to get there. Um, I'm hoping that we up, open up in September and, um, now I don't. I can't tell you whether fans are going to be there. I can't tell you what that's going to look like. But I, I've been optimistic that we're going to play for next year. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm optimistic by nature, coach. So I'm. I'm with you there. I, it's just a great unknown. So right. Um, you're right. We just have to wait and see uh, where it all stands as far as a safety standpoint is concerned. Uh, appreciate your uh, your forthrightness and uh, and your openness as always, coach. And Joe, uh, before we wrap this up. Anything uh, you want to uh, yeah, add I, in terms I, of I, your I do, Bob. I, it's got to be quick, obviously. Um, I don't know if you mentioned it, so forgive me if you did. I'm sure our fans would like to know, do you have any more scholarships left? One. Yeah, one. we have one okay. scholarship right now that we're got a bunch of scenarios kind of in play with, with um, hoping that we can get something wrapped up here in the next couple of weeks. But it's recruiting and you never know. So, so uh, but, but, but we do have one, one open scholarship right now. Good. Okay. Joe, thanks as always uh, for uh, your time and uh, get back to those dogs. And coach, we're going to make your dogs a star <laughs> somewhere along the line here. We want to, we want to well, introduce be, them to the audience. They would behave today. So, uh, so I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe they were drugged inside somehow by my way. <laughs> but, uh, coach, uh, again, thanks uh, for being a, uh, a really, really, good interview on on these podcasts all year long uh, your honesty your forthrightness is very much appreciated not only by joe and me but by our fans i'm sure well i you know a couple of things guys i appreciate you guys um and i appreciate your loyalty and doing this uh you know during the season and postseason and i just want to say a quick thank you to the fans too and we'll be back we're working hard we're doing everything we can and uh i'm looking forward to get back in that gym Great final words as we wrap up this edition of uh, Open Court with Jay Young. And uh, considering how things are changing so rapidly in response to the pandemic, we'll adapt as well. And when the situation warrants, we'll fire up the Zoom and get another podcast out there for uh, all your loyal Stag fans who make these things so enjoyable to produce. And we want to thank the guys behind the scenes who help us produce this, Associate AD Zach Dayton and his right-hand guys, Brian Moynihan, Ivy Spate, and Drew Kingsley. So for Coach Young and the Hall of Famer Joe DeSantis on Bob Huesler, please be safe. Please take care of yourselves and others. And thanks for listening to Open Court. The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.